Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope, and I hope this encourages you wherever you're listening. Enjoy. again if we've never met before my name is Naomi and I'm one of the pastors here which basically means it is my job to love you to encourage you to pray for you to cheer you on as you navigate this crazy journey of faith that we're on together whether that looks like sharing your faith in the workplace or in school whether that just like looks like making space for you to come and meet with God when things get tough I am here for you And this evening, I was ready to say this morning, you can tell my brain's still slightly asleep. And this evening, we are gonna be continuing our series, Jesus Acts, where we look at Jesus encouraging the early church. And today, I really wanna speak to you about the topic of generosity. Now, I don't know what hearing that word brings to mind. Maybe it's memories of splitting headphones with your best friend or going to a neighbor's house knowing that there's always gonna be a play out for you if you need it. Maybe it's more serious, watching as the world responds to tragedies like we're seeing in Turkey and Syria right now. Whatever it is, generosity is one of those things that you know it when you see it, which also means that you know it when you don't see it, right? We all know what it is to recognize ungenerosity when people are stingy and tight-fisted. Our culture's full of it of large corporations who hoard their wealth, of payday loans and lenders who exploit people. Even when we look at children's stories like The Grinch or A Christmas Carol, there are tales about what happens when people hold tight and aren't generous. And I was thinking about this reality earlier in the week, particularly about just how much I learn when I happen to be spending time with smaller people, Because if there's one thing that I love about little kids, it's that they have like no filter. Their intentions are pure, whether they are good or bad. And I was learning this lesson in real time as I was hanging out with a certain clergy son who I won't name, because I realized earlier that might just be mean, but he's two and a half. And if you know someone who looks like me and is a little bit taller, you can guess. And we were hanging out and we were playing as toddlers like to do. And we were playing with his Legos. Now, he's a real big fan of Legos, because who isn't? And so I was sat here, and he was sat here. We had our own sections, and we were building rockets. They're obviously not going to be the best thing you've ever seen, but we were doing our best, and I was getting deeply into it. It was turning into this beautiful, well-crafted thing when this adorable toddler went, mine. And I said, sis, you got the wrong one. It's not yours, it's mine. I didn't respond like an adult. I responded like a child because I didn't feel like sharing this thing that I had been working on. Note to self, don't turn to a toddler and inflame their emotions. It doesn't tend to end well. And so what this kid decided to do was that he would make me share. And so as quick as his little feet could move, he grabbed my rocket and bolted for the door. Now I thought, okay, he's just run off with my stuff. And then what I heard was like, just a tiny pitter-patter of feet running up the stairs until I heard an almighty smash. As not content with stealing my rocket, he proceeded to destroy it because he would rather no one could play with it if he couldn't play with it. 
I couldn't help but go, I think this is a lesson in what happens when you're not generous. <laughs> it was a temporary fallout, but my feelings were hurt. And if it's true that when we're not generous, it can impact others for the worse, well, true generosity possesses the opportunity to awaken and inspire us, to demonstrate a depth of love that has its genesis in the very God that made us. And so today, what I really wanna get into is a Christ-centered call to generosity. As we reflect not on what we can get, not on just being good at following the rules, but on how our choice to be generous can point people to the one in whose image we are made. And so I wonder, who has modelled healthy generosity for you? When I think about generosity in my life, the best example I can think of was my grandma. She was one of those people whose door was always open to the neighbourhood, who was always kicking extra in case someone unexpected would turn on. She was always sneaking us money behind our parents' back, whether it was for an ice cream or for a CD, because I still remember buying CDs. Anyone else have a Walkman? Was it just only a few hands went up? Oh, I wish I didn't ask. <laughs> you see, my grandma lived open-hearted. She gave of herself regularly. When times got tough, my grandma put me up when my dad kicked me out. When boys were scrambling my head, my grandma was the first person I'd go to for advice. She showed me love and practical help at times where I really needed it. Her every action spoke of Jesus, of the one who had come into her life and changed her story from an orphan to one who was beloved. And so you can imagine that on losing her during lockdown, my world was crushed. And yet somehow, because God is kind, what it opened up was for a new space for me to receive generosity. As people from this very community got alongside me and offered their time and their love and their listening and their care. And I tell you, as I learned how to articulate grief in these safe places of community, God felt close. And I want to testify years later that encountering such generosity definitely points you towards God, towards the Father whose arms are always open, towards Jesus who sits in our pain with us, towards the Spirit who somehow turns our scarcity into abundance. True generosity will always point back to God, to his coming kingdom, to his love, to his posture towards us. And it's of this generosity that I want to encourage you today. So why don't we pray as we wait on the Spirit to speak through this time. Come, Holy Spirit, where we struggle to think of how we can give, where it's easier to see what we lack or what feels scarce, would you speak to our hearts? Thank you, Lord, that you are trustworthy that you don't ask us to do a single thing that you don't give us grace for, that you don't condemn us or judge us, but you invite us to participate in generosity with you. We pray that we would hear your voice calling us into this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we think about this word generosity, I know it's one that's really loaded. 
You don't have to look too far to think of images of televangelists with preaching suits and flannels in their pocket and a convenient like telephone number that you can call that will help them fundraise for their latest plane or new house or fancy car. But that is not what this is. Ultimately, what we want to get to is a theology that is rooted in the person of Jesus. In this God who decided the best thing he could gift this world was himself who gave his life that he might save us, who in the world-changing words of John 3.16 so loved the world that God gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever thought about it? God had one son and yet he didn't hold on to him ignoring the dangers and perils of what he could see on earth instead he commissioned his most prized relation to come and to save us generosity then is something we do in response to the god who gave himself to save the world from the very beginning god has always been giving and giving and giving whether it is life or freedom god is always generous. And yet so often it feels like the world that we live in is the opposite, right? Like there's never enough time, never enough money, never enough food on the shelves. It's like there's something always about to run out. So how can we be generous with others when it feels like we barely have enough money or time for ourselves? Fortunately, on this, Jesus has a lot to say. And so we're going to open up our passage, which is Acts 20, verses 32 to 35. And you can read along on the screens. But if you've got a phone or a Bible or a tablet or something else, feel free to read along there. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the need of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, I spy a few Anglicans in here. Isn't this the kind of legacy that you want to leave? That when people look at your lives, they say in everything you did, you helped the weak. In the choices you made at work, in the hospitality you offered to strangers, in the way you spoke to your loved ones, in everything you did, you helped the weak. This is the kind of imprint that we're called to leave upon the world as the Spirit trains our hearts to be in line with God's And we hear those words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. As followers of Jesus, we are called not to hoard our resources or withdraw our time and affections, but rather to remember that we are blessed and encouraged when we give away what we have. Finding that it is so much richer, so much fuller than any kind of self-interest could be. Today, Jesus is calling us again into a life of generosity, into an intentional way of existing in the world that chooses to make more out of the opportunities that we can serve others with than it does in focusing on what we don't feel we have. 
The writers Chris Willard and Jim Shepard write this. Generosity is at its core a lifestyle. A lifestyle in which we share all that we have, are and ever will become as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace. A demonstration of God's love. A response to God's grace. Because the gift of generosity when pursued sincerely is that it points straight to God. When we are generous rather than self-seeking, it points people to God's provision, to God's fullness, to his love, to his rescue. The list is endless. And as we say yes to loving like God, to following him with wide open hearts, he calls us to give ourselves away, to lose our lives that we might find them. This is the reason that we talk about sharing our faith as an invitation. It is a gift to help someone else to encounter Jesus. Now I'm fortunate enough to know that there are a lot of generous people in this room. That throughout lockdown there were people who served our community by going and getting their groceries and their medication. That every Sunday people open up these doors for us, getting here ahead of time. That people pastor our young people, that they meet with our teenagers, that they serve and steward our gardens. There's so much going on here. So many people who open up their homes for connect groups and hospitality. So many quiet people who are just helping others with bills and grocery shops. I know I'm preaching to the converted because God's people are generous by definition. And God always calls us to see that generosity is a privilege that we get to participate in, not an obligation that we have to fulfill. In today's passage, we encounter Paul at his very best. Paul is the concerned father of the church in Ephesus. This is a pastoral message, not one of judgment or condemnation. It's a call into serving others, into being generous with our time, our finances and our possessions. And it's as relevant for us today as it was over a thousand years ago. To provide some context, because we pretty much rock up towards the end of the story. This is a bittersweet goodbye. The Lord has been speaking to Paul and it ain't been pretty. Paul knows that whether it is weeks, months, or years, he is journeying towards his death. And God says to him, you will not see these people again. You can feel this sense of God stirring him to say, what's the final thing you wanna say? How are you going to encourage them? And so Paul's message overarchingly is that our willingness to give and to be open is ultimately an issue of the heart, not of finances or laws. It's to signify that we'll either point people to Jesus or simply imitate the empty scarcity of this world we inhabit. And so as Paul bids farewell to these elders, knowing that he will not see them again, he leaves them with this final call to follow his example to not want what other people have, to not covet and not steal, but to live lifelong commitments to generosity. For in Jesus' words, it is more blessed to give than to receive. As Paul is on this journey to martyrdom, you can imagine how much he'd be reflecting on his life. 
A life that began with a zealous student following around the rabbis, trying to be good enough, trying to be righteous enough, trying to perform, learning all the laws in the Torah and yet still persecuting the church. Somehow full of all the right ideas and yet none of the love and grace and compassion. You see, Paul knows firsthand that you can look like you have it all together that you have all the status and the money and the power, that you can even be technically doing the right thing, yet still be hard-hearted and unchanged. Because ultimately what matters isn't how much we know or how much status we have, but our willingness to give ourselves away for God. And so he charges these leaders who will set examples of their own, not to let their lives be ruled by money or the pursuit of things, not to compare what they don't have or to worry about lack, but to let nothing distract them from their primary call, which is to worship God in everything they do. Reflecting on this this week got me thinking about the one that our generosity points towards, about the template that Jesus has left us as we learn to be generous like Jesus was generous. One of the very first things we see in the life of Jesus is that he gave his time. Whether it was listening to the centurion or going to Jairus' daughter, whether it was tending to the blind beggar Bartimaeus or welcoming children in the temple, Jesus was present to every single person he went past, every stranger who touched his robe. He chose to live a life that was interruptible, giving away his time and his attention and his access for the blessing and benefit of others. And I don't know about you, but I find myself deeply convicted by this. As someone whose diary is always too full, I feel like I have lunch at like five o'clock. Is that even lunch? Is that just tea time? I can't help but go, there is no space. Even if I wanted to put these things in, where would they go? And yet in three short years of ministry, Jesus gave away his time for others. And so I can't help but ask you the question I'm asking myself. Where might God be calling you to redraw your priorities, to create room so that you can mentor young people or volunteer with the homeless, so that you can even simply be present to the very neighbours that you live alongside? The next thing we see in Jesus is that he gave his gifts. Jesus was God. How on earth did he not monetize that? I'm really sorry, but maybe that's a very millennial thing to say, but he could heal the sick, raise the dead. He knew everything about the future and yet didn't use a single one of those things for himself. What we hear of Jesus is one who was quick to help those who seemed foolish or on the edge of society, to come close offering healing and forgiveness and hope. Jesus used his gifts to demonstrate the values of the coming kingdom, one defined by peace, by joy and by justice. I wonder if God has placed particular gifts and talents and passions within you that might just bring healing to the people you come across. I wonder if God is stirring a dream, a project, an idea within you that he so wants you to release so that others might encounter the fullness of life that is on offer in God. Ultimately, what we see in this template that Jesus has left us 
is that Jesus gave himself wholly over to the perfect and good will of God. Even in moments of anguish, even when he didn't want to, what do we see in the Garden of Gethsemane but someone who wants to do anything other than what they are called to? Someone who is so distressed that Scripture says he literally sweated blood. He kept asking and asking and asking, please don't make me do this. Yet nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the one who saves, gave himself fully over to the plan that God had for his life, placing his confidence not in what he could see, but in the God who somehow turned the cross into victory, who overcame sin and death by raising Jesus again. This is God's ultimate desire for you and for me today that we wouldn't use our resources and our time to build idols of our own making, to make ourselves seem impressive or powerful, but that sincerely and regularly we would say, your will be done, God, and that we might just mean it. The writer John Ortberg writes, being rich toward God begins with giving to God that which he desires most of all. And what he desires most from you is you your heart and devotion. Just as God can give us many gifts, but the best gift is himself. So we can offer God our resources and acts of service, but the gift he desires most is us. Will you give yourself to God today? Will you allow God total control with all of the joyful and holy disruption that that will come with, because God will grab hold of the reins when you yield your life to His. God will call you to people and places that you might never have imagined. God will take the very things that you are passionate about and desire the most and use them to usher in His kingdom, a kingdom that is defined by love and joy and generosity one in which scarcity and lack have no place, one in which there is always more to share with others because its king is the very source of life itself. This is no small question to put to you today. This is a question of who gets to be the owner of your heart, you or him. And so we're gonna do the only thing that is wise to do, which is ask God for his help and for his grace as we seek to be a people who grow in generosity. So I wonder if you would join me and stand to your feet and we're gonna make some space to just hear from God. In whatever way might help you, whether it's closing your eyes or placing your hands in front of you, I wanna encourage you to push in, to expect that God is going to speak to you, to welcome him into your heart. No one else can do it for you. So would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you have your way in every one of us? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's Saint Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you want to find out more ways of connecting or if you want to support the vision of Saint, you can head over to saint.church. For now, have a great week and we'll catch up really soon.